your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to a Tuesday of Lacrosse Talk PM. If you want to get in here, 608 785 7914. That's the talk and text line. So if you want to call, feel free. If you want to text in, that works too. 608 785 7914. I'm going to talk to you. I was going to talk to you, Battalion Chief David Snow from the Lacrosse Fire Department, but now he's busy. But John Byer, Fire Department Captain, he's going to be talking with me in about 10 minutes. So anyone watching on Facebook Live sees me like in a little bit of a, a rush two seconds before the show. It's because I was hanging up with John. <laughs> he was calling to inform me that Snow got called out uh, on something, and uh, he's going to be able to talk to me. So uh, one of the things we're going to talk about, I talked about this a little bit yesterday, still not a ton of details. Might not have a ton of details, but I but I think we can do some story time with with John Byer. He's been with the, the fire department for 15 years not quite as many years as David Snow is 24 years, so we're going to miss about a decade there worth of stories from Snow. Uh, but we can, but I think John can can tell us some stories uh, about the uh, about being you know with the fire department and also uh, you know what happened on Granddad Bluff on Monday morning. They they got the call just after midnight. We we talked about it very briefly. Somebody fell about 30 feet. Um. And that's all we know, really. It's a younger man, and that, that yeah, and that that was all the kind of all the details we have. But we'll see if if John can kind of fill us in a little bit, fill in maybe a little bit more of the gaps. I'm not holding my breath, but also like just you know, people falling off Granddad Bluff is uh, is it common? Does it happen a lot? And what else? What else do the does the fire department have to deal with? That's a little bit out of the ordinary, right? That's not a house on fire, right? We can we can all relate to not relate, but we can all kind of understand, oh, the fire department, they're going to, you know, go put out a fire. But also, and rescue cats out of trees, right? They're going to do those two things, but what else is, is, is the fire, people at the fire department doing? Um, and that might take over for what Ken Gilliam, usually we bring him on about this time. Uh, I'm just going to tell Ken, hey, your guys got got it. You don't, Fire Chief Ken Gilliam, you're, you're, we're good here. 608-785-7914. Um, some news today, the Oktoberfest burglar gets probation. And this happened last year. So the, the guy that went into the Oktoberfest office and, and stole some stuff, uh, Judge Gloria Doyle gave him probation today. And if you remember last week, I got the police report here. I just got it. It's very fuzzy, the, the print-off that Brad gave me. So it's kind of hard to read. But it's from the the guy that was out at Stony Creek letting air out of tires, out of, of vans or buses out there. And Crazy Joe called last week saying, you know, Antifa terrorists coming to burn down the churches and, and loot and riot in downtown La Crosse. You know, he, he literally asked the mayor if the mayor is going to be out there protecting the city. Um, I don't I don't think the mayor has riot gear, but maybe. Uh, but but that may or may not have sprung this this guy, um, John I think Gallagher, to go out to Stony Creek, and and let air out of these tires, which then led to more serious incident where people caught him, sort of maybe just caught him in the act, chased him down, and then he ended up stabbing somebody. So I I, I have the police report in my hand now, haven't read it so. 
I, hopefully I can read it during the break. Uh, Eric from Sparta is calling in. Eric, go ahead. You're on the air. Yeah, it's, uh, it's hard to get into you, you know, because I try to call all the time. Never anyway, uh, I must say that this Father Altman, there's not a one word he said that was not true. And How do you? That you so, all Catholics know it. I know it. And, uh, so you know that there's a hell, Eric, and all Democrats are going to hell? You know that for a fact? If they support abortion, I think they probably will. But you just I said everything you said is true. It's a little, it, it's a little bit ridiculous, Eric. I mean, oh, it's not ridiculous. Everything you said was true. You can look at Catholic doctrine. I, I can't even look up Catholic doctrine, and I'll tell you what: everything you said was absolutely true. Okay, so there is a hell. You're telling yeah, you us. Made it a little hard on maybe you're going to hell and stuff like that. But the fact is, everything you said was true. I don't okay. care if you like it or not, Rick. This happens to be the way it is. Thanks. All right, everything is true, Eric says uh, there is a hell. Democrats are all going to hell if they don't repent from the party. And abortion's bad. So <laughs> I would I would agree to dis- disagree there with uh, with that dude, Father Altman's 10-minute um, video. That's on wisdomnews.com, too. You'll have to, you'll have to scroll down a little bit or, or just put in the search bar Altman. Um, anyway, so where were we <laughs> talking about... I, I did want to bring up the the uh, Wisconsin Election Commission today to, or not Wisconsin Election Commission, but the uh, the idea that you know the Green Party candidate is no longer on the Wisconsin ballot. The Supreme Court ruled that yesterday. Howie Hawkins, and um, it's just you know this last month, about a month ago, the Election Commission was deadlocked three to three on whether to allow him on the ballot. So right away, and then you, you realize that the election commission is three Republicans, three Democrats, and you know which way they voted to let this Green Party candidate on. Green Party is going to lean left, It's going to take votes from Biden. So the three Democratic people on the Wisconsin Election Commission voted to keep him off the ballot, and the three Republicans voted to keep him on the ballot. And then right there you see the problem. We have a, we have a even number. We have an election commission that's an even number. And it's totally partisan. Maybe we should just get rid of that. Like, just get rid of it. That we, we always argue that we can't find nonpartisan people, but I surely tell you that there are nonpartisan people out there, and we we could find them, and we could fill the election commission with those people. And why 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 keep it six? Why an even number? Then at least the tie doesn't go to the runner here. So. The election commission is deadlocked. The tie goes to the runner. Then Howie Hawkins would be on the ballot. But the tie does not go to the runner. It goes to the state. So the state remains the way it is. So he's not on the ballot. So it's it's, it's a little fishy. Like, well, there's not rules here. Also, why are these third-party candidates just coming in at the last second to try to get there? It's the presidential election. And you're just like, oh, last second, I got to get my stuff in. Uh, we saw this uh, literally last second with Kanye West, right? Like he took up until the, the, the like seconds after the deadline, they were in there trying to, to submit their papers. Like, are you guys not running for president? Like, seems like a serious thing. And if you can't get your papers in on time, then maybe you shouldn't be on, maybe you shouldn't be on the ballot. All right, we're going to bring uh, John Byer in. Not bring him in, but I'm going to call him up. We're going to talk about the, what happened at Granddad Buff and maybe tell some stories about uh, fire department stories with his 15 years with the department. 
Uh, Brad doing the news. We'll be back after this. I'm with All right. Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. If you guys at this point text me because I've got John Beyer in, not in, but on the phone with me. He's a, he's a captain with the Lacrosse Fire Department. Uh, been doing that 15 years, huh, John? Yep, that's correct. 15 years with the Cross Fire Department. Three years uh, with Town of Campbell before that. Okay, so you've been doing this for a while then in general. Probably, has, has this been just like a career thing right out of high school? Uh, it wasn't exactly right out of high school, but it was something I'd already, always considered. My father was a volunteer firefighter for 25 years, and so, you know, it was always in the back of my mind of something I'd like to do. And um, eventually, a few years after graduating high school, I pursued that career and luckily was hired with a Cross Fire. And we want to talk about what happened on Granddad Bluff in a little bit, but I, I want to quiz you a little bit here. So, sure. because you've been on the fire 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 force, whatever you want, fire department, fireman for for so long, um, I, I talked to uh, he just retired a couple of years ago, Kevin. Uh, I, I can't think of his last name now. Uh, Kevin Capoff. Yeah, he he uh, yeah, he Captain. retired, mm-hmm. and we were we were at the Y one day, and I was like, hey, what do you guys always need fire people like firemen? Do you need new recruits and and, you know, like I got a college degree, but, and, and you know, I was kind of asking him how he became a fireman. And, and then I was like, well, should I apply? Like I could apply. And he's like, oh no, Rick, you need to go to, you know, get a two-year degree. And he was kind of like big time of me. I'm like, you didn't get a two-year g- degree. Mm-hmm. But so you guys that are kind of grandfathered in to be firemen, do, do you have to do some catch up there where you have to get some kind of degree that the new recruits would have to get nowadays? No, there's no catching up. It's just a, it's kind of been a, an in, industry standard where um, people are just more focused on getting their education, and it's kind of the the way that the fire department or the fire service is leaning is is uh, kind of expecting people to have that bachelor's degree or or that paramedic certificate. But it's not necessary. It's it's still you can still learn everything by working on the job. It's it's definitely there's no catch up needed at all. I would say. Yeah, for you old guys that are that have been on the force forever, but new guys they have to get that degree, right? Like some kind of I don't even know what it would be called. Maybe you don't either. I don't believe with lacrosse that it is a requirement. It is just something that they like to see. It's recommended, so it's definitely not a requirement to have that uh, associate's degree in fire science. Okay. Well, maybe you'll get my job application here in the next couple of weeks. Absolutely. We'll get your application in. Although I think I'll wait till after winter because I've seen some of the pictures of you guys having to fight fires in the winter, and it looks miserable. Yeah, we don't want to have another winter like that. That's uh, a couple years ago was pretty bad. We, I think we had ten or eleven fires in the middle of that cold blast. There, that's it's not any fun. Yeah, that was when we had like thirty thirty below days, a whole bunch of days in a row. And I remember just one of them houses was just caked in ice, and so were you guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not fun. You, it's all right for a while there, but once the the water and the ice start setting in, it gets gets a little cold. Um, is that is that one of the worst experience? Not worst, but you know, toughest experiences you've had, or do you have any just things that really stick out? That man, this was a bad one. Uh, not so much when it comes to the, the fire aspect of it, but um, you, the medical calls will, will affect you more just because you're, when you're dealing with family or someone has a loss of life, that's that takes more of a toll on you than say the the physical conditions of fighting a fire in the winter time. Yeah, there's a mental aspect to to that whole yeah. thing. Um, yeah, what what would you say, you know, just the going to the physical though. What would you say is maybe the worst worst uh, fire you've had to to fight in the in the last maybe even when in your time at Campbell? Well, uh the one that I can remember was I don't remember the exact year, but it was the J Street fire, we refer to it as. Um 
I just remember that day because it, it wasn't the cold, it was the heat. It was probably 99 and 100% humidity that day, and uh, that was a long day to be on the fire scene, and it's it's hot when you got to wear all that equipment, and then the weather was already taking a toll on us, and um, that one I actually, uh, was the first time I ever experienced the heat exhaustion, where I, uh, I actually collapsed and got real weak in the knees and felt like I was going to throw up and had to get seek some medical attention, so that one... That one sticks out in my mind as far as one of the worst calls I've been on. I know exactly. The fire side of it. I know exactly how that feels because one time I was playing volleyball and felt the same way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what sure, that's real similar. And then I <laughs> ate a granola bar and I felt better. So you know, sure. word of advice, John, just you know, eat a granola bar when you while you're fighting the fire. Just have one sure. in your pocket or something. I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> um, you guys also got a new fire truck. Uh, I don't know. Did you, have you gotten to drive it? Have you got to play with that new toy yet? I, I don't drive. Uh, I, we have engineers for that. So my role here as a captain is to sit on that passenger side as the officer. So I don't. I don't get much time riding or driving them. I'm more of a passenger nowadays. Um, when you guys get something like that, piece of new equipment, do you guys get to go take it out and, and give it? A, you know, just turn the lights on and, and see what it can do. Yeah, absolutely. They um, we have sales reps from the um, depart or from the companies that we buy them from, and they'll come down and they'll spend a few days going through the truck with us and showing us how everything works and what buttons do what. And then uh, we spend a couple days on each shift uh, just going through it, making sure we understand how to use it, and then we put it into service. Is it so – and I'm, I, I, I'm picturing like a fire truck. The new thing that you got, is it, is it like your typical fire truck that everyone would see, or is it something – I feel like it was a water hauler or something. Yep, this one is replacing one of our older engines, and then also we refer to it as our water tender. It carries all the water. So this one is going to replace both of those. Okay, so it's not, I, and I'm picturing when you guys get a new fire truck, this thing might be different. Is you take it out to the, you t- you tell the, you ask the airport if you could take it out there, and then you just do burnouts with it and do some like practicing. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think the chief would appreciate that, so we we kind of shy away from doing anything like that. Um, for your engineers though, they must have to like go and and do some courses, like physical yeah, courses where they're driving. Yeah, we have that a training tower down by uh, on Isle of Plume, there by down by Huska Park, just south of there. So. We actually we can set up a, a driving course with cones so that guys can they can hop in, take it for a spin, um, negotiate some corners, and do some backing up and parking. So it, yeah, they all get a chance to drive it and get used to it before we send it out into the stations and into service. Okay, uh, we're talking with Lacrosse Fire Captain John Byer. He's been with the force. Uh, I call it force, but I don't know if that's right. With the department, department. with the department for 15 years. Not really a force. Uh, yeah, in, in the incident, you were out there on, I guess, early Monday. So right around midnight Monday mm-hmm. or just after midnight Monday, somebody had fallen off Granddad Bluff. Um, can you just describe, like, you know, do you, guys, do you guys have to go search below or do you start up top and kind of go head down or how does that work? Well, we've learned over the years that when we get these calls up on the bluff, a lot of times uh, we don't know the exact location. So we've gotten really good at sending uh, one unit to the very top to make contact with whoever's on scene, whoever's calling it in. The rest of us will kind of stage halfway because a lot of times what happens is we might think we need to be up on top, then we find out the person actually fell off the face and we need to be down below. So in this case here we had, I believe, PD was already on scene and they had a location of our patient. So we knew we were responding directly to the top. Okay, and I, I, I talked to B yesterday with the fire department and he said he, the person, it was a younger male, that's kind of all we know, and he fell about 30 feet. Uh, was he in pretty rough shape? He was actually doing pretty well for a fall of that distance. And 
and he was um, fairly lucky. The place that he fell off wasn't a, a complete vertical drop. So there was a little bit of uh, an incline on the hill. And uh, considering where he fell off, he was actually doing pretty good. He was in pretty good shape. Yeah, 30 feet seems like, you know, when you think Grandad Bluff and somebody falling, you're like 30 feet, not that far, but also 30 feet, pretty far to fall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and have you had a lot of experience with, with uh, situations like this where people just are, are either, I don't know if they're rock climbing or they're just falling off Grandad Bluff or, you know, do you have, I, I hate to say like the worst, but I mean, how, how much experience do you have with it? Uh, I, I've been on the tech rescue team, or, or actually we call it our urban search and rescue team now. So I'm going on probably about 12 years, and and I would say that a majority of the calls that I've been on up there with people falling is um, it's risk takers. It's it's people who I don't know if you've ever had a chance to get up there. I used to go up there a lot when I was a kid, and it's there are some really cool views up there. And I think some people just push it a little bit. They try to get in onto some of those ledges and just for the excitement, and and they end up slipping and falling. Um, so I'd say most of that is what we deal with. Um, on occasion, you get somebody who has some mental issues and they may be trying to take their life. But uh, for the most part, I'd say most of our calls are just people are just getting in a little too far. Uh, there was a there was an outdoor store here downtown, and and I had asked at one point. I think they were trying to get permission to climb to rock climb somewhere in granddad bluff and i don't know if that passed or not but i had i kind of asked those guys there and the store is closed now but um hey where is this i want to go take a picture of it and just you know check it on there like whoa, whoa we can't tell you that that's the secret information do you got you must have you must have had to deal with people illegally rock climbing out there huh well i i'm not sure on the legalities of everything um we used to the way I understood it is some areas where you weren't allowed to go into and there was uh, trespassing ordinances that would they would enforce. But as far as I know now, a lot of that's gone away, and there really is no enforcement of where you can go. The, uh, the places I think that you're not allowed to be in are clearly marked right now. And to talk about your rock climbing wall there, I, I do believe there is something still in the works that they are going to allow some type of rock climbing in certain areas, but I'm not aware of where those are located. Does that does stuff like that make you nervous, or do you do you feel pretty confident that people, if they're going to go rock climbing on a on something like that, that they're they're no they know what they're doing? Well, I my personal feeling is people who want to attempt that are, are probably people that know what they're doing. At least I hope so. Um, those I'm not too concerned about people that know what they're doing, but you might get that person who think think about taking up the sport of rock climbing, and they might go out and buy some gear and think they can do it, and they might get in a jam, but. Uh, Hopefully, I hope people get a little more training and, and get the right equipment before they try and do something like that. You've been on this, I'm just going to call it a search and rescue team. You mm-hmm. you called it something else. You said you've been doing that for 12 years. Do you do you know, can you can you put a number on the number of times you've had to call been called out to Grandad Bluff? Is it like one a year, a couple a year? Um, I don't know the specific numbers, but just speaking from me, when I've been on duty, I've, in the last 12 years, I've probably been maybe about 10 or 12. Okay, That's and, a rough estimate. And and it's not like you're working every day. You guys have you guys have kind of a funny shift, firefighters in lacrosse. You have like a. Do you, can you explain the the how the shift works? Yeah, so we we work a 24 hour shift, and then we get a 24 hour rest cycle. So we do that three times, and then we get the uh, four day rest cycle. Okay, so it does definitely sounds like I'm I'm going to apply for that job then. <laughs> that sounds that sounds really easy, but the the twenty four hour shift are you are you busy? Do you get to sleep during that that shift, or 
Is it, well, it kind of nonstop? We, do, we have living quarters, so we're given that option to sleep. You know, we, we stay here for 24 hours. We're required to be here. Um, if it was like the other night, uh, we didn't get any sleep. So the next day, I certainly use my day off to catch a little nap, catch up on some of my sleep. But, yeah, you, it goes in spurts. Some nights you might not get any calls, and other nights you don't get any sleep. So it, it's just hard to tell. It, there's really no rhyme or reason to why it happens. Yeah, and then when you're on a call like that, you you know, hey, uh, midnight here. I know we got the call at twelve oh three, but uh, my shift was over. I'm out. <laughs> so got, yeah, no, we don't get that option. That's not an option for us. If we're on a call, we're we're there till it's till it's over, and and then once we get back to the station, then we get to put our trucks back into service and clean all of our gear. And then for me, being the captain, I get to sit down and get all the paperwork done. Yeah, the funnest part of the job. Lacrosse right. Fire Captain John Byer. Hey, thanks a lot for joining me. Yeah, no problem, Rick. All right, see ya. All right, bye. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Brad doing the news. Scott's comment coming up. We'll be back after this on Wisdom. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line if you want to get in here. Give me a call now if you want. Scott's waiting patiently on hold. Hold tight, Scott. I got a couple of things to do. I want to just thank John Byer, the lacrosse fire chief, uh, lacrosse fire captain, for for joining us. Um, you you should be able to hear. You will be able to hear that interview if you want in the show. If you download the Wisdom app and just go to podcasts, you'll see all Mike Hayes' interviews in the morning and my shows here in the evening afternoon. Um, there is a there is a golf tournament going on, and I want to I want to bring the Cooley Region Humane Society on here next week i think but they they might be making the rounds tomorrow but uh it's gonna this golf tournament's gonna benefit the cooley region humane society it's october 9th at fox hollow golf course it's gonna be a 10 a.m shotgun start four person team 60 dollars a person so 240 total uh 18 holes gar- golf carts lunch prizes raffles dogs there's gonna be dogs there so i probably will show up i don't need i don't even want to golf i'm just gonna go hang out with the dogs um, you can get that again. All that's on the Wisdom app or the website, uh, wisdomnews.com. Uh, you know, golfing, Cooley, helping the Cooley Region Humane Society uh, from Al's Auto Body, and um, yeah, just check it out. It should be good. It should be fun. As a frog jumps into my throat as I'm trying to talk. Six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four. We were talking about uh, the 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 incident that happened. Uh, somebody had fallen off Granddad Bluff early Monday morning and a call came in just after midnight Monday morning. So like 1203, I think is what the the fire press release, the fire department's press release said. And the person had fallen about 30 feet, which you think, ah, granddad bluff, not that far, uh, but 30 feet. If you think about it, if you think about how high your ceiling is and then triple that, you know, it's pretty far, I guess maybe even more than triple that. I'm, I got 10 foot ceilings in my basement. So, uh, just think about a basketball hoop and then triple that and then, you know, jump off three basketball hoops. But uh, Scott's calling in. Scott's got some a little bit of insight on there. Scott, go ahead. You're on the air. Hi, how you doing, Rick? I'm good. good. Hey, um, my nephew and a uh, good buddy of mine are both cell phone uh, tower climbers. And maybe you could, I don't know if the chief is still on. Was it the chief we were with or no? That was uh, one of the captains. Okay, Cap. But, I mean, what I had always heard was 15 feet, you have a 50% chance of either dying or becoming seriously injured, and your maximum 
is around 40 feet. Now, of course, if there's slopes and right. soft ground and stuff like that, but 40 feet is, is pretty much the one that if you go four stories, you're pretty much going to be done. Yeah, when, and especially when there's, there's nothing to break your fall if you're on a cell phone tower. How, is, is that a job that they do? They must fix cell oh, phone yeah. towers? Well, is that, some people got to change those lights, those uh, boards up there. It's crazy. I get video stuff from my nephew, and, and it, it's just an insanity. Sounds Insanity. like it sounds like a, a cool show to do. Maybe you should give me your nephew's number. Uh, maybe text me your there, nephew's number. I want to call him and ask him I'll what kind of job. Now, a quick thing, and I'll tell you, there was a uh, tower climbers or some crazy show on Discovery for a while. Okay, but uh, what they found was that there was they were doing there was they were violating a lot of stuff, and you could see on certain videos when they were shooting it that. They were violating a lot of standards and stuff, and they took the show off the air. Yeah. Oh. Okay. That that's interesting. I also I always uh, think it's interesting too is when they're they're fixing the power lines and they're on like the the guys repelling off a helicopter and they're trying to fix them that way. That always seems like a crazy job to me as well. You know, I went on that thing uh, in Florida, that big arch thing that pulls you up three hundred and sixty feet and drops you. Oh yeah. Okay. With my nephew when he was thirteen. Yeah. By the time he was 18, he was climbing towers. He was climbing, so it's all your fault. <laughs> I don't know, but, man, I, could, I couldn't do it. No. No. Nope. All right. Thanks for the call, Scott. Have a good day. You too. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it just reminds me of, like, childhood doing some of that stuff at Great America and, and you know, not Bay – well, Bay Beach maybe. Bay Beach is in Green Bay. I don't even know if Bay Beach exists anymore. It's been so long. The only thing I remember about Bay Beach and Green Bay, I'm, I'm jog- my memory is getting jogged now. Uh, childhood stuff is uh, they had a little train that went around the park and it was just like, a, you know, they, they even do it during rotary lights, a train like that. Um, but it's, you know, it's more permanent there. And uh, we would always get on the back and play like army or play, you know, uh, play soldier or whatever. We get on the back cars and then about halfway through the ride, we jump off the train and barrel roll into wherever, Wherever it is, we barrel roll. That's about all I remember. I just remember jumping off this train all the time. Never got in trouble for it. So I don't know if they just weren't paying attention or maybe the thing was going slow enough that they didn't really care. Uh, 608-785-7914. Phil is telling me that the Wisconsin Election Commission um, politicians appoint those those people so they're nonpartisan. (laughs) So that's it. The Election Commission is all caps Phil says nonpartisan. So always a, a little bit of a, a, a trigger warning is when someone all caps me or uh, multiple expert, no exclamation points here from Phil, but he said they are nominated by politicians just like Iowa's election commission. So that, that makes them nonpartisan. Um, I don't know if I feel there, like there's a flaw there in, in the system. If that's, if that's your thinking, Phil, um, Another thing that uh, if you if you see on wisdomnews.com as well, the eagle statue is gone. So we're just removing all statues from no, they're not they didn't really remove it, but they well they did remove it, but they're not removing it permanently. Um, it looks like uh, they're gonna they're gonna fix it up. It's kind of a cool picture, Brad out. It's just the eagles on the back of the semi. They should put it like right on the hood of the semi. That would have been that would have been a better picture, Brad. You should have suggested that. But Brad was over there watching the Eagle statue come down right in Riverside Park there. It's always makes like it's one of the best pictures that you can get in lacrosse, I think, aside from being on Granddad Bluff and doing the overlook and getting pictures that way because you just see the natural beauty of of you know the Cooley region. 
Um, but if you just like every day when I leave work, I just take a quick glance to the right and I see that Eagle statue and usually the sun is setting. And unfortunately, because I'm leaving work and the sun is setting and I'm a little sad, but uh, it always makes for one of the best pictures. I probably have like 50 pictures in my phone of this Eagle statue, but it's down now and they're going to they're going to repair it. The sculpture, it was up on the riverfront for 33 years, and apparently they never fixed it. So this is kind of one of the problems in, in why they took the Hiawatha statue down and why they gave it back to the Zimmerhockel family, the Zimmerhockel, uh, the, the art teacher at, now I forget if it's Logan or Central, somebody, 900 people will text me and tell me if it was a Logan or Central art teacher. But they, the city has, you know, these these statues and they're not, they don't work on them. They don't do the upkeep on them. And then they get, you know, weathered and, and it apparently needs a $150,000 restoration, the Eagle sculpture. So it, when we talked about fixing that giant Hiawatha statue, uh, you know, I think Gary Podesky argued with me that the, the what, somebody came, I'm just doing this off memory. Somebody came to a board meeting and said that the repairs would be $60,000, I think for the recently, maybe the, in the last two years for the Hiawatha statue and Gary Podesky on the city council said that that was, that was a very rough estimate and he had got better estimates that were much cheaper. But now I'm, I'm, I'm maybe comparing apples to oranges because this Eagle statue is not the Hiawatha statue. They're probably made of very different things and require very different repairs. But the uh, the re- restoration uh, estimates on this thing because it's made of metal and it's got rust uh, makes me sad. It's going to be one hundred fifty thousand dollars. It makes me sad because my nineteen ninety six F one fifty is just starting. It's I think it's four winters now. It's had to survive after being a California truck. It's just starting to get rust on the bottom, and uh, now I, I have to seriously consider whether or not I want to fix that before it gets too bad. And, and then I see an eagle statue uh, is going to cost $150,000. So I'm sure that's how much it'll cost to fix my truck. Uh, 608-785-7914. Number three is calling in. Number three, you're on the air. Go ahead. How's it going? It's going pretty good. We're, uh, this stuff is right up your alley, I think, what we're talking about. Well, yeah, I was down and looked at that statue the other day of the uh, eagle down there. Yeah. The eagle statue. And it's rusting out from the bottom and up. In other words from where it's sitting in the dirt. You know, it's starting to rust on the bottom up about, oh, 14, 18 inches. So what I would suggest they do, instead of setting 150000 on it, is just cut off where it's rusted, you know, and yeah. then uh, put it on a concrete slab. Make that slab about as high up as what you're cutting off and uh, slope the slab a little bit so the water runs off it. Yeah, you got to figure out a way to keep debris and water from from you know pooling underneath the metal, I suppose. Oh, either way, it's sitting now. It's sitting right down in the ground. Yeah. So no wonder it rusted out, you know. Right. After you, that many years, but I don't think you'd have to spend one hundred fifty thousand dollars on it. Yeah, I feel like some guy at, a, at some some you know Fred at a auto body shop be like, I can fix that for fifteen hundred. Yeah. Yeah. I got a I got a uh, grandson that could go down and fix that. Yeah, <laughs> um, I wonder if there's a certain amount of artistic appeal there that goes into uh, that estimate, or you know, somebody in the government's got a buddy uh, that that works in that stuff, and he's like, "100, let's." Can, you think we can get him for 150 grand? Let's try that. 
Well, I, I would definitely get it from the city because a private, uh, somebody else owned it, they wouldn't pay near that much. Right. Yeah, the, uh, yeah, it does seem like a ridiculous amount of money to to fix a, a an eagle statue, but I I don't I have no idea, right? Like none of us do. So, but maybe we should be like, well, how many estimates did you get? Because I feel like when when somebody, if I took my, you know, 20, 1996 Ford F150 to one auto body shop and they said, ah, "I'll take $150,000 to repair that." I'm probably going to get a so, a, a so to speak a second opinion. I definitely would do that. At least put it out on bids, right? Yeah, definitely. Uh, <laughs> well, you the... know the way city works. You scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. It, sound, it seems maybe like it's going to be that way. Thanks for the call. Uh, Gary, Gary Podesky is now calling in, so he's going to set me straight. Go ahead, Gary. Hey, how are you, Rick? I'm good. Good. Finally, something non-controversial that I can call in on. <laughs> this is totally uh, actually, con- Zim, Zim tr- went, he taught at Longfellow and then Central. Central, okay, yeah. Central, I was at Central. And uh, the uh, the Arts Board, uh, they were looking and they said it was going to, the head of the Arts Board said, when I had a discussion with him, he said they were going off the last repair job, and I believe it was 2000 or whatever, so they just, like, multiplied it by X amount of times, and they came up with sixty or $80,000. And I had gotten a quote from Krause Construction for twenty or twenty-five. I and, think it was twenty. And again, you're talking about the Hiawatha statue. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, so sir. when you hear when you when you hear one hundred fifty thousand dollars to repair or, or you know restore this eagle sculpture, are you like um, I'm going to go get a second opinion, or how did that work? Do you know? Uh, no, I don't. That was that was all done through the Parks Department and stuff. Um, I do know that, you know, this was something that they were looking at, they wanted to keep and stuff, where the the person who was in charge of the Arts Board at the time and the Arts Board itself, obviously, they wanted to get rid of Hiawatha, so they really didn't even go out and get any bids. When I asked if they even took a bid, he said no. Right. And I said, so you're voting on something without even knowing the actual cost, and then we had a, a, a gentle argument in the parking lot at City Hall. But I... um. Uh, I, I you know, this is something, and especially with that artist just dying, you know, I, I'm trusting that they, wherever they got the bids from, you know, that they're solid bids. Um, obviously, it's not something they want to get rid of and blame on the cost, and I don't know what would go into repair on something like that. I mean, it's obviously just not the eagle itself, it's the base. So I, I truthfully, I don't know, you know, I'm not an expert on steel or something. But yeah, and none of us I, I'm are. I'm not sure what would go in on repairing something like that. But hopefully then, you know, you pay that money, and yeah, it's a lot of money. But I'm hoping, you know, 50, 60 years from now, people are going down, and hopefully the tradition of the, the lights in the park and everything else, like you said, it's such an impressive piece of art that I'm hoping that that's one piece of art that will be in lacrosse long after I'm gone. Yeah, when it comes to the Hiawatha statue, where it sits, I'm I'm good with just leaving it leaving it blank, so to speak, or you know, a, a picturesque area area to look at the sunset. At this point, we don't need to put something else there. But this eagle sculpture, it's it just makes for one of the best photos as you're driving down, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, driving down yeah. that road. And, and what is it, State Street? I should know. It's right out the yeah, door here. Yeah, and actually, I agree with you, Rick. I would love to see the Hiawatha spot just remain open. I don't want you to put up something now that people say is not controversial, but who knows, in 30 years, then you, you could have something that uh, the Native Americans are good with and you put it up, but then 30 years from now you have 
two or three Native Americans don't like it, and then the other ones who liked it have passed away or gone or moved. And then you're going to put somebody in the park board council and an existing mayor or city administrator who knows down the road what you you know you may have, but you just get you're just going to create grief for somebody if you leave a nice green space. Maybe put a plaque there stating you know there was Hiawatha, why it was moved because of uh, objections, and and just let it go at that and have some nice benches there and maybe put a nice garden or something and you know with some flowers or something and just leave it the way it is. It's a beautiful location, and I think you know 10, 15 years from now, like you said, if people are taking a drive through there, then they can look over and see where the rivers meet and go, Jesus, what a beautiful location. I honestly, honestly, Gary, when we when we put those those the Hmong sh- soldiers and the nurse from what is it World War One or I think two? It was, I think it was was it it was either Korean or World War One. Yeah, it was a World War Two or yeah, and then there was a World War One soldier. Uh, honestly, I feel like you know down the road those might be at some point way down the road. Maybe we even look at them. I'm like ah, maybe you never know the way things are going. But um, Gary, I gotta no, let you, really, you go. Really don't. I got it. Thanks for go the ahead. call, Gary. Go, what? what? I, I got to let you go. Thanks for the call. Oh, okay. Yeah. I just, noticed yeah the, I just noticed the time. All right. We're going to take another quick break. We'll be back after this on Wizard. All right. Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. Just a minute left here in the show. Thanks a lot to John Byer, Lacrosse Fire Captain, for joining us and for your calls and texts. Uh, I will say again, there's a uh, Cooley Region Humane Society uh, fundraiser going on at Fox Hollow Golf Course, October 9th. Check out wisdomnews.com and uh, sign up. It's a four-person, what do we call it, a scramble? I'm not I'm not a, a golf aficionado. So, Shotgun start, four-person Four person, not maybe not a scramble, but four person team, sixty bucks a person, eighteen holes, carts, lunch, prizes, raffles, and most importantly, dog. So even if you, even if you didn't want to golf like me, <laughs> it it might be worth just going out there and hanging out with a bunch of dogs. Uh, I think a lot of people have more fun. Uh, I think a lot of people have just as much fun doing that than anything else. Um. Trying to trying to figure out too, just uh, you know the the eagle sculpture statue. We talked about that a little bit. There's a the story on wisdomnews.com. Uh, check out check that out if you want more information there. And also the, a little bit of a weird story on the Wisconsin Election Commission and the Green Party candidate and the Wisconsin Supreme Court and everything that went on there. Um, all right, thanks for listening, Brad Paff, Senate candidate, on tomorrow right here on Wisdom.